Good morning. I got to share something with you. I had a song in my heart, and I couldn't remember the words this morning as I was driving here. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Sometimes the Lord does that, doesn't he? He does that to you. And then it's the first, thing we, the first song we sing today. Brent and I did not. And I thought, okay, Lord, I got it. You're in charge. Well, back in the day, cartoons were awesome. I'm just telling you, if you're 20 years old or younger, you're missing out. You need to go back to the old cartoons because they were way better. And inevitably, a cartoon character would have to make a decision. And what would be on each shoulder? The devil would be on one. I don't know why they had the angel. I mean, they had like the lesser, right? And they had to make a decision. And, you know, it just depended on what would happen. In our passage this morning in Romans 7, that's kind of what Paul is doing. So he got the devil on one shoulder and the angel on the other, and he's trying to make a point, and he's going on a little bit of a rant, which is why I titled the sermon the most peculiar sermon title that I've ever given. The two same words with different punctuation, which gives different emphasis, doesn't it? The first one is, well, why not sin? Let's do it. And the second one is, why would I ever want to sin? And that's simply what he's talking about. We're born with a sin nature. We all have natural desires, and when turned to idols or beyond what the Bible outlines or commands, they become sin. The first time I realized that we were born with a sin nature was the first time that my daughter, who's the oldest, threw a temper tantrum. And I thought, no one taught her that. No one teaches us how to lie. No one teaches us how to deceive. We are born with a sin nature. So a major focus of this message this morning is on this word picture that's been in my mind the last few weeks prior to Eric even asking me to come preach. It's this idea of the horizontal versus the vertical relationships that we have. I'm going to go into that a little bit, but we're going to be looking at three main books this morning, Romans, Galatians, and Ephesians. Ephesians, or excuse me, Romans 6.16 kind of gives a, a basic understanding of this word picture. It says, don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? Whether you are slaves to sin, that's the horizontal that we'll be talking about, which leads to death or, or, or um, to obedience, which leads to righteousness, that's the vertical that we're going to be talking about this morning. It's interesting because the Bible doesn't explicitly say there's different types of sin necessarily. It talks about different types of sin, but theologians over the years have 
coined two different phrases, a sin of omission and sin of commission. And maybe you've heard of these. The sin of omission is you, something you ought to do that you choose not to do. Dare I say, a stop sign that you know that cars are never coming to. You know you ought to stop, but you choose not to. Or there's the sin of commission, which is choosing to sin whether you knew it was right or wrong at the time. You chose to sin. So we're looking at Romans today in Romans 7. If you have your Bibles, get those out. Romans 7, we're going to be looking from 15 to 25 and kind of this rant that Paul goes on. I call it a rant because I think he was frustrated. He's writing to the Romans, likely on his third missionary journey. He's probably writing this from either Corinth or Centuria. And he just kind of goes off of his frustrations. But he also talks in Galatians, which we know is probably the earliest letter that he wrote in the New Testament, somewhere between 48 and 50 AD, just a few years, decade or so after Christ had died and was resurrected. And then Ephesians, we'll be looking at Ephesians as well. And he wrote Ephesians actually likely in prison when he was in Rome in, the, in his later years, say Ephesians maybe 60 to 62 AD. So if you have your Bibles, we're going to read that this morning. But the focus is going to be on looking at the horizontal versus looking at the vertical. So if you get anything out of here this morning, you can say the pastor said something about horizontal and vertical. It says, I do not understand what I do, for what I want to do, I do not do. Can you imagine trying to translate this? What I hate to do, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but sin living in me. I know what nothing good I know that nothing good lives in me, that is in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For what I do is not the good I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. That's the sin nature. The inference here is, is that even though Paul has been redeemed in Christ, he's saying the sinful nature still is there. Verse 20, now if I do... Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. So I find this law, and that word can be translated principle, so I find this law or principle at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. So he's introducing this sinful nature, which is evil, but in Ephesians, he also talks about the principalities of evil, the supernatural principles, which is ultimately what our sin nature fights against. Verse 22, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law, his truth. But I see another law at work. That's the law of sin and death. In chapter eight, he talks about the law of sin and death. 
at work in the members of the body, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. Verse 24, what a wretched man I am. That's his conclusion. Even though he's saved by grace, what a wretched man I am. Who will rescue me from this body, from this body of death? It's a question. Verse 25 gives the answer. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then I myself in my mind am a slave to God's law. But in the sinful nature, a slave to the law of sin. There's this collision between being filled with the Holy Spirit, being saved by grace and God's law and our sinful nature. How many times in our lives do we say to ourselves, I do not understand what I do. For what I want to do, I do not do. But what I hate, I do. And then in verse 19, he repeats it. This is, no, this is notorious Paul writing, repeating himself. Then in verse 19, he says, For what I, I do is not good, and I want to do. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. You see the frustration. It's the horizontal perspective. I think he's talking about. What's the horizontal perspective? It's all the stresses of life. It's the cancers we were ju- that, that Eric was just talking about. It's the financial difficulty. It's the heart attack. It's the test that you're going to have to determine if something's wrong. It's all the worries of the horizontal of this world. And Paul says, but the life in Christ is vertical. It's where our focus is. Nothing's wrong with the horizontal unless it becomes our focus. That's what Paul is saying. There's this collision between looking out over and seeing things. It's why I would say to you as a pastor, if, all, if you're viewing news more than you're reading Scripture, you're looking at the horizontal more than you're looking at the vertical. And that's going to get you in trouble. Because you see, there's an old hymn that says, I've read the back of the book, and we as followers of Christ win. So the horizontal, in some rights, is the sinful nature. Not that everything on the horizontal is sin. You know, you know uh, saving for a retirement or buying a new home, those are not bad things in and of themselves or a new car, or getting a new job, or a blessing that God has given you. But once they become the idol, or they become the focus of your heart, that becomes an issue. And that's what Paul is talking about. And then the vertical is life with the Spirit, which is the very next chapter in chapter 8. If I could be here for three hours today, we'd go into chapter 8. If you've not ever read chapter 8 of Romans, please this week, Read chapter 8. It's one of the most amazing chapters in the entire Bible that Paul writes. If you're discouraged in life, read chapter 8. Galatians 5, 17. The sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit. That's the horizontal. This has revolutionized my faith and understanding in God's word. Everything up to this point in my life has been focused on the horizontal, looking out, striving. I got to get to that point, and then I'll find happiness. 
I got to get to that point financially or that house or that thing or have that many kids or have my wife understand me this way. And then I will find love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. That's not what God's word says. I woke up July 5th about 3 a.m. Anxious, worried. I had just started doing some consulting. I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. And I finally said, you know what, Lord? I'm tired of looking at the horizontal. For the next 30 days, I'm going to look to you. I wasn't testing God. I don't want you to think I was testing God. And I'd love to tell you that God came down with a strong voice like he came to Moses and gave me the answer, but he didn't. And I probably knew that was going to happen, but it was more about my heart looking vertical than it was his. And August 5th was just a day ago, yesterday morning. I, I, I finished the 30 days and I thought, you know what, Lord, I'm just going to continue to pray every morning. So the first thing I do when I wake up, I pray about these couple issues in my, in my heart. And I give them to him. And then throughout the day, when my sin nature, the devil brings it up, I say, no, those are taken care of. I've taken care of those vertically. I no longer have to worry about those horizontally. So we look at verse 16. He continues, and if I do what I do not want to do, I agree that the law is good. Verse 12, as you back up, says, so then the law is holy and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. God's word, his truth is good. It's life. This is that vertical part of what Paul is talking about. Our sin nature doesn't go away. He moves on into verse 17. As it is, it is no longer I myself who do it, but it is sin living in me. And then verse 20, he kind of repeats himself. Now, if I do what I do not want to do, it is no longer I who do it, but it is sin living in me that does it. First John 1, 9 says what? If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to do what? Forgive us our sins. What's the inference there? We are going to sin. But we need to confess that sin. And what that does, when we confess that sin, it doesn't give the devil a foothold in our lives. We're looking vertical, not horizontal. Sin living in me. He's frustrated. You can see that. I know in my own life, when sin is in my life, I'm frustrated. And I finally have to come to a place where I get on my knees and I just say, Lord, I confess my sin to you. I want to have fellowship with you again. Moving to verse 18 this morning. I know that nothing good lives in me that is in my sinful nature, for I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. But he gives encouragement in verse 25. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Those who are followers of Christ have crucified the sinful nature. That's a day in and day out thing. 
It's the horizontal. Again, there's nothing wrong with looking out and seeing things. I marveled at what human beings, by God's grace and and his creation, what they have been able to do. Thinking of of God and his and how amazing he is and, and praising him. Last Sunday, a friend of mine went we went up to Mount Baker um, to the Chain Lakes Loop. If you've never done the Chain Lakes Loop, well, first of all, make sure you're in shape. Um, it was seven miles. We walked around this mount table or table mount. We walked all the way around it. We got to see the glory of God at hand. And I asked my buddy, I go, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, is it a redone one, like a renovation, or is it a new earth and a new Jerusalem? He's like, wow, that's a great question. I don't know. God has crucified the sinful nature, and I realized that when I was walking, I was thinking about the vertical versus the horizontal. Because I was looking at the vertical of God's creation, but what it did to me is it focused me on the horizontal beauty, focused me on God's power and his creativity, and so it focused me on the vertical. It brought me right back to him. Verse 21. So I find this law at work. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. In Ephesians, he talks about this evil. In chapter 6, he talks about the armor of God. He's writing the church at Ephesus. Now remember, this is later in his writing. He says, now I want you to remember to put on the armor of God. Why are we supposed to put on the armor of God? Not because of flesh and blood, but because of the devil and his demons, the attack on our lives. So the conundrum Paul finds himself in is that he wants to do good. There is a principle or what he calls a law in effect. He's not talking about the Mosaic law. This law or principle is again mentioned in verse 23 that says, but I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war against that principle or that law of my mind and make me a prisoner of the law of sin. The law that leads to death at work within my members. But again, he reminds us in Ephesians 6 to put on the armor of God. As he warns, our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the powers of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Here's the deal. Without the vertical relationship, we don't win the sinful nature horizontal. We don't win. Because the devil and his, and his evil principalities and the demons, they're, they're stronger than we are. If we don't have Christ in our lives, there's torment. That's not good news, but the good news that Paul talks about is, is that through Jesus, we can be overcomers. 
of the law of sin and death. Verse 22, he goes to the vertical again, for in my inner being, I delight in God's law. So the New Testament wasn't written then. So what was the law? Well, it was the Old Testament, God's law, his truth. They didn't replace it. Paul refers to his inner being in a prayer to the church in Ephesians 3. He says, I pray that out of his glorious riches, he may strengthen you with power through his spirit, the Holy Spirit, in your inner being. This inner being is where, as followers of Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit indwells and fills us. It's the exact thing this morning on the way here that I prayed and begged God to fill me with the Spirit in order to deliver this message, not by my strength, but by his strength. That's vertical, not horizontal. Psalm 40, a psalm of David, maybe even a song. He says, I desire to do your will, O my God. Your law is within my heart. That might be what Paul's referring to. And then he goes back into verse 23 and 24. But I see another law at work in the members of my body. He goes right back to it. You see what he's doing? He's going back and forth. Waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within my members. What a wretched man I am. He comes to a conclusion after he rants. Who will rescue me from this body of death? Remember who Paul is. Paul was given by the leaders of the Jewish community in Jerusalem, the high priests, the authority to drag Christians and kill them. This is a man who did atrocities beyond what we could ever imagine in this room. And he's saying, what a wretched man I am, even after he's blinded and God confronts him. And Jesus says, what are you doing Paul laments his sin nature in these two verses with a question at the end. It's interesting because he gives the same lament in Galatians 5. For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other, so that you do not do what you want. Do you understand that Galatians was probably written 10 to 15 years before the book of Romans, and he still, 15 years later, is frustrated? But the answer to the question in verse 24 comes in 25. We talked about this. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Because of Christ's death and resurrection, we are able to begin to lead lives worthy of God as the Holy Spirit works to transform us. Paul uses that word transform in Romans 12 too. If you have your Bibles, turn there really quick. I wasn't going to read this verse, but I, I, I just have to. Romans 12, too, if you, have, if you got it there, turn. Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What is that? That's the horizontal. Do not conform. Do not look like the pattern of this world, but be transformed 
The infer inference here, we know, because if you study this verse, by the Holy Spirit, by the renewing of your mind, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. I think sometimes we sit around thinking we're going to hear from the audible voice of God. And I don't think we'll ever hear the audible voice of God because he gave us the Holy Spirit to guide and direct us. And as he transforms us, then we begin to know what God's will is. Verse 24, there is a tension between our sin nature and our new nature in Christ. In this life, our sin nature doesn't go away. We fight it every single day. If you don't believe that, read Galatians, then read Ephesians, and then read Romans. Paul's consistent in his message. Romans 6.6, 6, he puts it this way. For we know that our old self was crucified with him so that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. Dying to our sinful nature is a daily exercise. Each morning I get up, I have a couple different apps. I do a 10-minute quiet meditation on God's word. First thing when I wake up, and then... Right before I go to bed, I do another quiet meditation just to, just to settle my heart on the vertical relationship with God. We know that the devil and our sin nature desire the things of this world, horizontal. I believe it's the reason Paul tells us to put the full armor of God on. If you want to know that, that's Ephesians 6, 10 through 18. I, I, it's, it's an amazing thing. There's days where I physically read that verse and I put on, literally put on the armor of God just as a way of a reminder. I'm a visual learner and I need to see that. And there's one piece of the armor of God. It's the sword of the spirit, which is the Bible. And a sword can be an offensive tool but it can also be a defensive tool. It's the only one. We have been set free from the law of sin and death through the law of the spirit of life. That's a vertical thing that happens in Romans 8.2. And then he concludes in verse 25 this morning. He puts it in a more complete way uh, if you have your Bibles, you can, you can turn there, but remember that in verse 25, he says, thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord, so then I myself and my, my mind am a slave to God's law, but in this sinful nature a slave to the law of sin. In Romans 6, just a chapter before, in verse 22, he says, but now that you have been set free from sin and have become slaves to God, the benefit you reap leads to holiness, and the result is eternal life. This is what it means. The horizontal plane leads to death. The vertical plane leads to life. I can't say it any more simple than that. The Holy Spirit, Paul launches into life through the Spirit in chapter 8, as, I've, as I mentioned, produ produces supernatural fruit in our lives. 
Galatians 5, 22 and 23, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, and self-control. Those are supernatural fruit that are produced in us and through us. It's the vertical for the horizontal to see. This morning, I've been reading a book. It's called The Red Sea Rules. It's by an author named Robert J. Morgan. I love this book. So the premise of the book is this. We're going to have trials and difficulties in our life, and there are going to be times when God parts the Red Sea for us, and we're not going to see it coming. This is what he says. You can well trust him to save and deliver you from every evil work and preserve you for his heavenly kingdom. He will save and deliver in his own unique way, whether miraculous, providential, or mysterious. He always does that for his children. That's his specialty. That's vertical relationship with God. Let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for this time that you have given us to review the vertical versus the horizontal. I don't want to get caught up in, 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 in that, Lord, but I do want and I pray for those who are stuck in the worries of the horizontal, that today you can redeem them of that that they would look vertical to you and focus on you, I pray. As we go into communion now, Lord, our hearts need to be set on the vertical. They need to be set on you. And if there are any way in us that needs to be reconciled with you, that we would do that during this time so that we can take these elements with a clear conscience and a clear heart. Knowing that you died on the cross for our sins and resurrected and someday we'll come back to get your people. Romans 8 says that we are son and daughters of God for those who love you. Thank you, Lord. It's in your name we pray. Amen.